0: And hello, everyone, and welcome to a new year, 2021. I mean, we were having such a good time with making a mess <laughs> in 2020 The we carried it on for another year.
1: It was one of the highlights of 2020, one of the more fun things we got to do in 2020, I will say.
0: <laughs> yeah, and somehow we got to episode 28, which uh, we visited with our local representative uh, Phil King who was a prior guest in a way on an episode but uh, this time he uh, joined us to talk about the upcoming Texas legislative session which amazingly begins next week.
1: Yeah, it's hard to believe that it's already time for for everybody to go back to Austin. Um, I think it's going to be a very interesting session and exciting. I mean there, there's a lot of things on the table between finance, redistricting I think COVID is going to COVID and the problems that it has created will generate a lot of bills and a lot of things that need to be contemplated. Plus just how in the world are they going to have a session um, and carry on um, with COVID? You know, what kind of restrictions will be in place? That kind of thing.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. Last session, they went down to Austin, really having to deal with the the aftermath of Hurricane Harvey Mm -hmm. and the crisis of that. But the one positive thing was revenues were just rolling in in the state of Texas as the Texas economy was really strong. That has been restricted some um, here with COVID. But, you know, some Hager's going to, the comptroller is going to give a full forecast Monday. But we're hearing that things are not going to be as dire as originally forecasted. But as you'll hear in this episode, you know, Phil points out that,
1: yeah, it's still bad,
0: and right. they've still got a huge yeah. deficit they're gonna be looking at trying to fill for the next biennium.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's definitely some things that, that they'll have to figure out. Um, and I don't. it's always interesting to follow, so it'll, it'll be good to see what they come up with. I mean, one of the things, too, that um, you'll hear Phil talk about, and I hope everybody listens to the end so they get to this part, but he really encourages citizens to reach out to him Um, and explains how to contact him and kind of how that works and and how um, his staff will reply to you and work with you. So stay tuned till the very end.
0: Yeah, and give a little kudos and say this, I mean, Phil's always been pretty receptive and we're pretty encouraged too with uh, Drew Springer joining the uh, local delegation yeah. you know, the, of another opportunity or a person to reach out to and we encourage everyone to, uh, to drop a line to them and also let us know and we'll pass along a message too for everything as this session goes because it will be a little harder to get down to Austin mm-hmm. and also provide you know, testimony or input so you might have to work some different channels and everything but that's a very important part of this process
1: it really is like i we probably all won't be able to pop in and out as much as we have during a legislative session but that being said um, we here at the messenger do plan to cover it extensively and be in close contact um, particularly with um, king and springer and so we're, we, we need to know too, what uh, the citizens here in Wise County are concerned about so we can make sure that we're covering those things and asking the right questions.
0: Yeah. Well, without further ado, we'll go on to this episode, but first we'll get a quick word from our sponsor.
2: Hi, I'm Raymond Wood with James Wood Motors. We've been selling new cars since 1978, but long before that, we were selling quality, affordable, pre-owned vehicles. We have a huge selection of cars and trucks and SUVs, including heavy duty trucks. With hundreds of pre-owned vehicles, we are sure to meet your vehicle's needs and budget. Shop our huge selection of pre-owned vehicles at jameswoodmotors.com today.
0: And welcome back to another episode of Making a Mess. I'm Richard Green alongside Kristen Tribe, and we're joined by our local representative, uh, Phil King. Uh, Phil, how you doing today?
2: Doing great, how are y'all?
0: Doing good, good. doing good. Well uh Phil, it's that time, if you can believe it, to uh, head back to Austin next week to get another session started.
2: Yeah, it is, and it's gonna be different than any session uh in uh, Texas's long history too. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, I know there's a a lot on the table and uh it seems like uh going in things have changed just a little bit from when we talked right after the election. Uh no some uh I know Hager's going uh the comptroller's gonna give a full financial forecast Monday, but just, uh, just some talk. Uh, it sounds like the things are not going to be as dire going into this biennium as originally thought.
2: Well, I'm not sure that's right. I think we're going to end up for the current biennium. you know, we write two year budgets Mm -hmm. and, uh, so the, the budget that we're in continues till next September. And it looks like we're going to be about $4 billion short in revenue uh, relative to what was projected. So in other words, when we write a budget, the comptroller projects for us what the tax revenues would be. Mm -hmm. And then we write a budget that balances with that. We have balanced budgets. And because of the COVID economy and the loss of the Trump economy, we, uh, we're pro- we're projecting that we're gonna be $4 billion short of getting through the rest of 2021's fiscal year. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna have to uh, do some more cuts and find some other ways to bridge that gap. The more difficult thing is that we expect that the comptroller is also gonna tell us when you're writing the budget for the next two years, plan on having 17 billion less than you had in the current two year budget, mm. which means that uh, that we've got to make some really, really, really hard decisions.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. Uh, I've been there when we've been in similar situations a couple of times before, and uh, we always work through it without raising taxes. And that will be what we will do again.
0: Yeah. You, and you do have some of that. Uh, do you think I mean, you all will be dipping into the reserve a little bit more this time?
2: Oh, I don't think there's any question about it mm-hmm. we've got we We're going to have roughly ten billion dollars in our reserve account. Um, you need to keep at least half of that mm-hmm. uh because one literally one big hurricane can cost you know several billion dollars and uh- and you that's money you've got to spend right then
0: yeah
2: and so uh and and Texas gets more natural disasters by far than any other state. And then you can just have other problems like we ran into right now where we're gonna be $4 billion short. And I think that's probably where we're gonna, in part, reach into to bridge Mm -hmm. that gap. Mm -hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, uh, Bill, we know uh, one of of the committees you're the head of is uh, redistricting. Uh, um, I know you are still waiting on the census data. What's the latest there and what do you, and what's the timeline that you're anticipating?
2: Well, the census data normally gets to us by, we do this every 10 years after each census, we redraw all the house and Senate uh, lines for districts for U S Congress, uh, state board of education, uh, the appellate courts, the trial courts. So it's, it's a tremendous amount of work and it's very litigious. There's so many lawsuits over it. It's so frustrating. And then there's also the politics involved. And so, uh, they usually get the census data to us by the end of February, which gives us through May to get, get it done. Um, however, uh, the census bureau is, um, slow right now. And, uh, they're telling us the earliest it would ever be is April 1st. And what I'm, I am beginning to suspect that we will not even get it, uh, while we're still in session. I will not be surprised if it's not June or July before we get the data. Mm. Uh, If that's the case, then, you know, we'll be here in Austin all summer as well and trying to get all that done because we have Mm -hmm. to get it done before people start filing to run for office Mm -hmm. in, uh, uh, you know, uh, November of next of of 2021.
1: Yeah. Is that the deadline for redistricting that November day or is there a day earlier than that?
2: Well, you know there's really not a deadline oh, okay. in terms of statute mm-hmm. what the deadline is 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 i guess a a, a reality uh a deadline in right. that
1: <laughs> yeah
2: people can't if if you're going to run for congress or you're going to run for state senate you got to know what those lines are
1: right gotcha and
2: you can't do that unless the new map is in place will right. well, because the uh, we've grown so much that all the you know, all the districts are out of line with, you know, one person, one vote mm-hmm. and the Voting Rights Act and all these things. We've got a lot. Because we're, because we're such a fast growing state, we've yeah. got a lot to go in and, and readjust. And and frankly, if we try to have an election with the existing maps, someone will run in and file a lawsuit to stop that. So mm-hmm. we've yeah. got to get it done. Okay.
0: Yeah, and plus you, you're adding uh, three congressional seats this time?
2: Well, uh, that's a big question too, uh, uh, at least two probably three, mm-hmm. but again, with the Census Bureau kind of acting the way they are, I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
0: Well, no, another big change. Uh, this will be the second straight session. You all have a new Speaker of the House. or thing. Uh, uh, What's that transition like going into a new session?
2: Well, the only other thing we hate more than redistricting <laughs> is a Speaker's race.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
2: and uh, uh, Dade Phelan, a guy out of Beaumont, Uh, will be our next speaker Uh, I have high hopes that he'll do a great job Uh, it's a very very difficult job and particularly with all the crazy stuff we don't even know how we're gonna operate this year with all the COVID stuff Mm -hmm. Uh, but yeah we'll start that and of course new speakers come in and uh, change up all the committees and put in their people as committee chairs and and uh, so a lot of moving around gets done there and so that's going to add a lot of uh, disorientation to the uh, to the session.
0: Yeah. And you mentioned, I mean, ha- how those sessions ran. I mean, have y'all went through, kind of figured out how people will be testifying and appearing, you know, before to uh, the different committees? And...
2: Well, it's a big problem. What we're going to do next Wednesday is we're going to have a debate on the floor and try to set our rules for operating this time. Mm-hmm. And the problem is that, you know, what do you do if you've got... Nine people on a committee, and four of them get exposed to COVID. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, you've still got a majority, so you could have a quorum and do a vote. But is that really right to do it when the others are out just because they got exposed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So we'll be looking at the possibility of remote voting. Uh, then you have the problem: the public. We need them so badly to participate
0: mm-hmm. in our
2: hearings. Well, you know, uh, that, that do you? Is it is it smart to have? literally thousands of people in the house in the capitol building every day from all over lo- the world mm-hmm. truly and um, uh or should you put some limits on that should we limit the number of really try to limit the the bills we do this time and try to we have a lot of older members of the legislature and they're very concerned as, as everyone is about covid and should you uh uh uh, do we do we try to have as many public hearings or do we not um, my guess is if what we're going to decide to do is to uh, say that unless you've got business in the capital that day don't come to the capital which means no tourists no you know chamber groups no yeah. school groups things like that that seems mm-hmm. like a pretty easy thing to do um the the tough thing is deciding what we do with uh with hosting hearings mm-hmm. and we've considered doing it electronically in zoom, but the technological problems of trying to link people in who are really just signing up at random from around the state or the country or the world, mm-hmm. how, how you, how you technologically do that. And, um, and so we're, you know, and, and, and get a record and all that stuff. And so we're, we're, uh, we're trying to figure all that out.
0: Yeah. Um, you know, the, In prior to the session, a lot of uh, representatives already filed bills. Uh, I was just looking through some of the bills that you filed. Uh, uh, Two in particular that uh, stood out were one about uh, law enforcement records and then also another one dealing with uh, justifiable force. Uh, Could you kind of explain kind of what those two bills are? And... uh...
2: Sure, the uh, justifiable force bill is simply to clarify that in Texas, you know, as y'all remember, in another state during all the protests, you had a couple who uh, very violent protesters busted down the gate to their home, came onto their property, approached their house, and they they stood outside with a with a, a rifle and a handgun. Uh, they didn't point at anybody. They just made it clear that that we're armed and you are not going to enter our property. Uh, they were later uh, uh, you know, you know, they pursued criminal charges against them. Uh, it was ultimately dropped, but it was a, a bad situation. So we just want to make sure that Texas law is very, very clear so that no uh, prosecuting attorney or law enforcement agency misunderstands the fact that you haven't, that the castle doctrine, uh, you have an absolute right to defend your property. And you can't use force unjustifiably. Mm hmm. But if you are in fear of your life or that of another, or under some very rare other circumstances, that you have the right to uh, to use deadly force uh, to defend your home.
0: And hmm. the and uh, the other one, basically if, from the way I've read it, and everything, law enforcement's records is getting uh, those records shared between departments and agencies.
2: Yes, if um, and and where this comes from, this has been a problem in law enforcement for a long time, and and so what will happen is. And and first off, 99 point whatever percent of all the law enforcement folks we have. And I was a cop for 15 years and a reserve for 20 something after that. So but almost all our law enforcement are great. But like in any in any profession, there are some bad apples. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the problems we've had is um, uh, let's say that you're a police officer and I'm just throwing random that I'm not really thinking of any case here, but let's say you're you're an officer in uh, Mahaya, Texas, mm-hmm. and you've applied for a job in Decatur. And so Decatur uh, gets you to sign a release so they can get your, your work record where you have been employed or maybe are employed. And they contact that, that department, and that department says, well, we'd love to give you uh, their uh, job performance, but uh, uh, we have a policy that we don't release that uh have and and that's very very common and a lot of times it's just because a city or a county will have a policy they don't want to risk getting sued by somebody so they just don't release that type of data mm-hmm. in other cases uh it will be that 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 person they they want to determinate them and rather than get into a long civil service you know appeal or something like that they cut a deal with them that said <clears throat> we will not um if you'll just agree to resign, we won't give you a bad reference Mm -hmm. or some of the larger cities that operate under union collective bargaining agreements. They have it in their collective bargaining agreement that if an officer is terminated or leaves for under any adverse circumstances that they will not release that employment record to the agency that they're trying to go to work for. And so what happens is, is you have uh, those rare bad officers, um, getting into other agencies without those other agencies have able to do the background check they really needed to do. Mm-hmm. And this just says no, you can't do that. You have to, law enforcement is too important. You you have to release their prior employment information.
0: Yeah. It's good bill. Um, well, Phil, um, hey, we appreciate the time and uh, we uh, wish you the best of luck heading to Austin next week. We look forward to visit with you throughout the session, Uh, what's the best way for our local constituents to, uh, to reach you or your office, you know, to share concerns?
2: Well, the first time, first, I want to say to everybody, don't ever think you're writing, calling or texting or whatever too much. Um, (laughs) Don't ever think that Uh, the the easiest way is probably uh, just to go to the state uh, Texas House website, and there's a deal there for Phil King and you can click on that and send me an email i got get those all the time and if the things i need to deal with personally staff forwards them to me i got one from them yesterday from someone that i respond to personally others the staffs taking care of or helping and also just as bills come up it's so good to hear from people because every day when i go to a committee or to to the floor Mm -hmm. the bills that are being considered that day staff makes me up uh, uh, a spreadsheet and if anybody from the district has called, written, commented in any way, mm-hmm. that's listed there. So I know what people at home are saying about this. Oh, okay. And it's quite often, I'll pick up the phone and call them and say, okay, I'm a little misunderstanding. You said you didn't want this. Can you help me walk, work me through that? Mm-hmm. So they put their phone numbers and contact for me and all of that so I can reach out to them, which I do very often. Mm-hmm. So uh, so that really helps us a lot. So call, but email is really a great way because we're gonna have short staffs this time
1: mm-hmm.
2: because of the uh, COVID situation, I think too. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, I will say that's one thing that we've always appreciated about you here in Wise County is you have always been very responsive and um, and present here in the county. And we do appreciate your representation in that way.
2: Well, and that's another thing I'd like, and thank you for saying that. And But another thing, if anybody ever, every now and then someone will say, Phil, I wrote, I, I, I never heard back. Yeah. And, and, and there's no question occasionally people, you know, things fall through the cracks. I really ask people to always let me know if they didn't get a response for some reason because we work really, really, really hard hmm. at responding to everybody within you know 24 hours is our rule. Try to is our rule for phone calls and emails and things like that. So we really try to do it. So if they hadn't heard, something fell through the cracks. Let me know and I'll go find where that crack is. And we'll we'll plug it.
0: Okay. Good. Good deal. Yeah. And we're we're real excited about this session, too. And I mm-hmm. think we're not only our working relationship with you, but uh, we're excited too, to also bring in Drew Springer to our you know senatorial district and uh, and the good local representation we should have there.
2: Yeah. Drew and I were talking last night and he's excited and we'll just get to work. I hope. Yeah. I <laughs> hope everybody stays healthy where we can do that. All right. That's right. That's
0: right. Well, well Phil, again, hey, we appreciate the time and uh look forward to talking with you uh here during the session.
2: Great, look forward to it. Thanks guys. All right, All right. Thank, thank you. you.